Okay. Wait, are we podcasting uh, now? We're podcasting. It's okay. happening. Cool. Um, we are here. <laughs> we are us. We are Forensics Faces. It is uh, now post your tournament weekend. Yes. <sighs> How are you holding up? I mean, I got home. I left south a little after five yesterday and came home and made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and got into my bed where I ate said peanut butter and jelly sandwich and fell asleep with my phone in my hand before 6 p.m. And then I didn't get a out round of round of applause. Thank you. I didn't get out of bed until noon, really. So it was great. I, st- I genuinely feel like I have a hangover though today, but I think that's just because I did so much extroverting with Congress mm-hmm. and then also with running a tournament that my body just wants to sit in a quiet, dark place for as many days as possible. Well, enjoy that. Recover. Because next week, it's North's tournament. Yay! So back to back to back. To, you get to do it all over again. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for next week's tournament. I think it's going to be too. great. I think so it's going to be I'm delightful. Very excited to see, yeah, I'm very excited to see people registering and, and see who is coming. And I haven't lost any support system. I've just gained two new people who can, like, do more stuff for me. So I'm thrilled. We're in good Yay, shape. Yeah, Heath Things and Jenny. It's going to yeah, be great. exactly. Heath, Jenny. Not to mention Jenny's husband, who owns a barbecuing business and is going to cater the judges' lounge for us. I know. Like, it's going to smell that insane. Is, that's such a huge weight off the shoulders to just be like, oh, there's somebody who can totally handle serving 100 adults because they do it all the time. So that's really nice. And it's so nice to have somebody else who's there to deal with the booster club at North High. So I don't have that headache and I just have to work this week on making sure that everything is ready, steady uh, for people to show up for competition on Saturday. And it will and, be. Um, and if you're going to student Congress, we are still doing that, but you have to get in touch with Heath Rhinel or send me an email and I'll forward it to him or sign up on Speechwire. It is available as a, as a category there. If you want to register your kids that way. Congress is great. Just do it. Yeah. Uh, So is there anything going on in your life that wasn't your tournament this week that you need to catch people up on? No. Okay. (laughs) All I did was turn it. I just got sick. So that was nothing, nothing special and really nothing terrible either. Like I've heard about people like you having like this illness that lasts for weeks Mine only lasted a few days. I was actually supposed to have dinner on Wednesday night with Mike and Deb Tross. We had scheduled it a month beforehand and Mike got sick. So as soon as Deb had texted me saying they weren't going to be able to make it, it's like my body just flipped a switch and was like, oh, okay, then you can get sick now too. Like it was just waiting, just waiting for me to have a few days with no scheduled commitments. And then it was like, and now you're going to be sick. So but uh, but I think it's already mostly passed, so I'm I'm much better. Good for you. I did I drink. Know. Fun story. I can tell from the look on your face that like, what a great story. No, I've been drinking you. a lot of orange juice today just to hopefully make up for forgetting to eat most of yesterday. <laughs> I had a donut. And just being around and so hummus. many humans. 
just so many humans touching so many stuff that other humans had touched. I was really good about mm-hmm. washing my hands a lot yesterday. I'm in fear of getting ill again. Um, and then today has just been a lot of orange juice. I should be eating healthier, but I found French toast sticks in the freezer aisle at festival that were vegan. So I had French toast sticks for lunch slash breakfast. <laughs> But they're vegan. But they're vegan. So you get and to I'm say gonna, it. I'm going to eat more after we're done recording. All right. <laughs> we actually have to do our grocery shopping yet after this. So. Oh. Oh, well. So we get to officially start um, recapping Sheboygan South. And I have some opinions. Please so do. We're ready for it. Um, so first bullet point on our list of things to discuss. Tournament host. Awful. I heard they're awful. Yeah. They're the worst. So, There's this guy with a ponytail. Where'd he come from? What's his, what's his deal? There's a hat. And then there's this lady who likes to yell at me. Actually, I'm the only person she doesn't yell at. <laughs> she, she yells at everybody else and then demurely goes, and Kurt. <laughs> that was a cute touch, by the way, yesterday. Thank you. Um, <laughs> tournament food. Much improved. Thank you. I really, I worked really hard this year to like make sure that my food game was upped, that we had better options for breakfast. We had Johnston's donuts and uh, I picked a big up bagels. Um, we couldn't find our percolator mm-hmm. on Friday night for coffee. So I ended up waking up um, at 5am when Starbucks opened to be placing a giant order. And when I called, they were like, I was like, I need coffee for like 130 people. And she's like, Oh, okay. You need to order our five gallon thing. That should be more than enough. And normally like, it's normally enough for like 150 people to drink plenty of coffee. I was like, cool. We emptied it in two hours. Yeah. So I had to send Jenny, who was working in our tab room, to Starbucks to pick up another two and a half gallons. And even that was emptied by the end of the night. So that was fun. And then just really it's upped our... It's like the thing that we tell people who are hosting tournaments for the first time, who rarely believe us. But it's like, coffee is the most important thing and it will be gone. Yep. So, so gone. Don't, don't forget about it. Don't be late and don't let it run out because my goodness. No, and we went we went more heavy on the snacks this year too, because mm-hmm. with our the way our time slots work, we have four time slots for the three rounds again, and so we just had lots of chips and hummus and vegetables and pita chips and cheese and sausage platters and stuff. So mm-hmm. the people ate and ate and ate and ate, and then our lunch was catered by our culinary arts department. So. Yeah. I hope um, Heath and Jenny at North are listening when you said how much better the breakfast was because you just ordered Johnston's and Big Apple bagels <laughs> because I figured that out a few years ago and it is totally worth the money to just pay for that stuff. 100%. Keep people happy and like there's a, a great variety of things and we never get any complaints once we just started buying really good bakery in the morning instead of relying on like the teenagers and their parents to like donate things. Cause then it's very uneven and you never know what you're getting. It's so much better to just, just order. So Heath and Jenny, if you're listening, this is why I keep pushing you to just do that. Yeah. But it's one thing I, I didn't do better. this year, I didn't have anyone working just my food table. So it was just me. <laughs> so I was just running back and forth from the tab room to the tab table, like refreshing things and cleaning things up and like reorganizing things and restocking plates and napkins and all that stuff and it really like made the day more anxiety inducing for me than it needed to be 
And mm-hmm. I just ended up smelling like rain. I like sat in the car at the end of the night, like dropped off the giant things at Starbucks. And I just sat there and I was like, I smell like ranch dressing and coffee and sweat. Yeah. Like that's what the, like just what the car that's smelled what like. Your, uh, that's what your Snapchat said. Yep. That's all yeah. I smelled. And I was just like, next year I need to like appoint someone whose job is just to keep the judges lounge tidy and mm-hmm. cleaned up and set up and... So it doesn't have to be me, but otherwise it was a relatively calm day in the tab room for us. Very minimal TPP issues, but the ones that we had, we handled right away. Um, the only main issue that I have, I don't think anyone who listens to our podcast would be one of these freaking people. I really want to use a lot of cuss words right now, but I'm not going to. If you were a judge who does not let double or triple entered students leave until you have finished an entire round, there is a special ring in hell for you. <laughs> Because you are you are increasing the anxiety of those students and making their performances at their next rounds go poorly because they've gotten themselves so worked up. You're making things awful for the tab room. You're making things awful for the judges who are waiting to get into that room after you or waiting to get into the rooms of the people who have been sitting. Some people waited 45 minutes for the last students of their rounds because judges would not release students who were double and triple entered. And that doesn't make sense because we, we tell you on the judge information forms release the judges like or release the students makes things easy but it puts an entire tournament behind i think my tournament would have literally gotten done a solid half hour earlier in the day if judges had just released students on time when they were supposed to because i luckily we had a really big pool so i was able to reassign the rounds of judges like yourself who had to wait for a long time because the student wasn't being released but not every tournament is that lucky we had entire schools drop out the day before for weather reasons and so we could have been in a really sticky situation where we would have had to just keep pushing things back and back. If we weren't able to reassign those rounds. So, Hey guys, just release the students, let them go. It says on the form. The issue, for, the issue for my student who came a half an hour after the round was supposed to have ended. Um, and we waited at least 45 minutes for her, if not longer, uh, because everybody else had finished. And I didn't even contact you until it was like almost time for the next round to begin. And we had waited for a while already. Her issue was that everybody in her, the second thing she went to was double entered. And so the judge wouldn't let the triple entered kid skip in front of the other double entry people. And so in that case, it's like, okay, the kid then I feel like also should have known she had the option to say, well, if you're not going to let me go out of order, then what I have to do is go to my other round and come back to you at the end. Yeah. Because if you're not going to let me go, you know, if I'm scheduled last and you're going to make me go last, then I have somewhere else I need to go and I'll come back to you and you're going to have to wait for me. So, yes, judges, I I can't believe this is still happening after all these years of double and triple entry tournaments, but... Yeah, you got to work with the kids to find a thing that makes sense. And and yes, triple entries should trump double entries when it comes to getting them in and out of your room. Because it was, it was unacceptable that I had to wait all of that time. And I'm not mad at the kid. I'm sort of mad at the judge. But mostly it's just like common sense, guys. Let's, let's all work together and be better at this. Um, so yeah, that was... <laughs> That's crazy. North is a triple entry tournament as well. So I hope we all learn our lesson by next week. 
Fingers crossed. And it will be be addressed in in great detail at the judges meeting to make sure that people understand you got to be flexible with that schedule and you got to let them go. So um, any other notable events of the week that you want to touch upon? Um, I don't think so. I have something I would like to preach about. Okay. Because we've already had our solo hum and solo a serious episode, so I don't get to harp about this during our categorious discussion. But I know I think you were at the tab table when I brought this yesterday. I judged a prelim of solo humorous acting. And I joke. I joke about the fact that like I don't think most solo hum pieces are humorous. And so I'll joke about like, oh, there's no humorous and solo humorous acting. But ladies and gentlemen, when did the acting leave solo humorous acting? I watched an entire preliminary round full of, I'm sure, well-meaning young people who need better coaching, who like all, all the round was, was prose without binders. Every single piece was a prose piece that was adapted into solo hum very poorly. So ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this and you are a coach, it can be done. You can take a piece of, of prose, you can take a short story or a book and turn it into a script for solo acting, but you have to actually do the work of turning it into a script. There was no acting. It was just kids getting up and like telling me stories in solo humorous. Some of them didn't even really have characters. And I was like, what's going on here? Is this what the category has become? Because that's wrong. And if we need to go back to a, a time when we used actual like scripts and, and say no more adapting from books, which I'm not in favor of. But like if we have to do that to, to get the point through, maybe it's something we need, we need to talk about. Because this was it was not. Well, it wasn't funny, but it also it wasn't acting. There was there was no. And, and you know how I hate about like the whole like, is it interp? Is it acting? Like I'm telling you guys, acting wasn't present. There was no. <laughs> it wasn't in the room. Was, it was still waiting in the hallway no, for someone to invite it in. Yeah, there was there was no dramatic structure to allow these kids to create characters and therefore be actors. You so have not to only give them that. So they left. They left acting in the hallway. They left jokes in the hallway. They left humor in the hallway, and they just they just hung out. The next thing you know, it's not even going to be solo. I'm going to call a code and two kids are going to get up and I'm just going to be like, what? (laughs) Who's punking me? It would be me. Yeah, I know. Do you want to tell everyone about the gift that I gave you at my tournament via my room signs? If you were at my tournament and you didn't appreciate all the room signs. So I, so there's a lot. So Ben's a control freak about our tournament. I 100% will say that he is the tournament director and I am the tournament hostess. That's how I label us. 110,000%. I will give him all the credit for all the scheduling, all the handling of all of your emails, your tournament questions. That's 100% Ben. One of the things he lets me do is make the room signs. And we, because we're in four time slots, we get to, I, we have four slots. Some of them, sometimes we only have three categories in a room. So there are empty time slots, but I like to fill them with fun things. So uh, a thing that Kurt and Antonio and I talk about a lot in our group chat is the reveals on Masked Singer, even though neither of them watch it. But there are a lot of people in my building who talk about it every week. And so uh, every week I just tell, ask them to tell me who uh, has been revealed on Masked Singer. 
And so one of the um, empty sign, like empty room times yesterday was Masked Singer auditions. And that was literally a joke that was purely for Antonio and Kurt to hopefully see. Although a lot of people and I gave did. me feedback about it. <laughs> they were like, oh, what are the Masked Singer auditions? And I was like, I mean, obviously they're doing round four, but like right in that room. I don't think anyone showed up for it, but there were lots of those little jokes <laughs> all around in the room signs. Because I think one of the things I really like about our tournament and feedback that we got is that it is very, it's like, it's a tournament and we try to run it really well and it's rather large. But I also think that the tournament is very Ben and I. Like, I make sure that the food is the same level of quality food now that I would serve to my to my friends and to my family and making sure that I'm accommodating to everyone. I like to make sure that there's a sense of humor in everything, that I am like greeting as many people as possible, talking to people, having lots of conversations with people. Um and that's something that I think really it's like it sets the tone for the tournament. If the tournament hosts are like stressed and locked away in a room and like surly, then people are going to be surly at your tournament. But if you're out and you're being personable and you yourself are enjoying the time you're spending there, then other people will enjoy themselves too. I don't want to say it's like a party, but I just like to think that our tournament still feels personal to Ben and I because I get bored and need to do things that are fun. So that's what I did yeah. was make mass singer auditions. <laughs> I think as long as the tournament run is run well, then who cares? Yeah. But you, you enjoy your personality. I do. I think I'm really funny. Yes, you do. Someone has to. <laughs> I I told you when I thought you were successfully funny. I took a picture Thank of that you. mass Singer auditions and I sent it. Thank you. Yeah. Along with Antonio finding my freaking class graduation photo and zooming mm -hmm. in on me speaking of surly. Oh, yeah. I got to post I'm, that to Instagram. Yeah. I'm so unhappy in that photo. Yeah. Uh, I'll make sure to tag you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I, I would say as far as like for end of the pod shout outs, like too many to name. Like literally my favorite things about Chicago no. South is like so many people come and I had just like every minute that I wasn't judging, I was chatting with new fun people that I hadn't seen much of this year. So hello to all. Yes. And also Everybody to the student who see. came up to me and was like, I hope this isn't really weird, but I love your podcast. It's never weird. Oh my gosh. Tell me everything. Tell me more about how much you like us. Tell us how funny and informative we are. We love it. We truly do. Also, send us emails because those emails make me so hard. They warm my heart so much. We got one <laughs> that Kurt forwarded on to me today that made me just cry laugh in my bed. All right. So please yeah. keep sending us emails. Some, we love them. Agreed. We've been getting some really lovely feedback. So keep, keep sending that. Um, best thing we saw this week. You did not judge because it was your tournament. I did. I have already expressed how I felt about my solo home round. So... I am not going to be listing one of those uh, performances because, again, I do not blame the student. I blame the coach. Coaches, go work with your kids. <laughs> work your kids. But you were nice enough to give me a final round of Farrago in which I saw some lovely, lovely performances. Um, so my best thing I saw this week was the Farrago performed by Julia Matizic. I do not know what school she is from, and I will not she say much about Reagan. her. She is There we go. I didn't even know Reagan was there yesterday. Yep. Well, that's because Carrie's on a cruise. <laughs> oh. ah, that'll do it. Yep. Hi, Carrie. I hope Hi, you're enjoying Carrie. your cruise. 
Um, I, I really uh, loved, especially after talking about it last week, like I was super able to appreciate the structure, the performance, um, how well each piece complemented the other piece and it worked together to make something that is better than each of those individual pieces on its own. And I was really, really impressed with her performance. Um, and also with how quickly she had to like get ready to go because she was one of those students who was double or triple powered. And so she came right as we were closing the door because we assumed maybe she went to her other round first, but she walked in and was like, yeah, I will have to go. And we're like, well, then you go now. And she was like, oh, okay. And she just got up and went and it was like flawless. So like she, she was just ready. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. And she did that. So I was all about, uh, I was all about her performance, her piece, her poise. I was all about all of it. Nice. So congratulations. I, great work. I do want to say the best thing I saw this week was having exactly one judge who understood the uh, impromptu theme for third round. Thank you, Ashley Sexton. You made my entire tournament and time <laughs> worth it. There we go. Okay, we've got a lot to get through yet because we are talking about radio this week. Radio and then also speaking. after that, after that, we're going to do our Oscar predictions, which by the time this episode is out, the Oscars will have happened. So our yeah. audience members will know how we did. Yes. So let's talk about radio, shall we? And this is radio I'm so announcing. Happy that, radio announcing. I'm so happy that I have had the chance to actually judge more this year because I feel like it's helped me figure out what in radio I like as a judge because I've been able to judge it a few times already this year. So good. Um, defining the category, I'm going to shoot it over to my WFCA correspondent, Melissa Gabrielson. Thank you, Kurt. The WFCA currently defines radio announcing as the challenge to the speaker is to present a well-organized, clearly communicated newscast. Source material provided by the tournament director of approximately 15 to 20 minutes in length is to be cut and edited with special efforts to make it end right at five minutes. Back to you, Kurt. Thanks, Melissa. Um, have you ever performed in this category? Heck no. <laughs> Limited prep makes me so nervous. The only thing close Poor to limited prep I would have been good at in high school, which wasn't offered then, is impromptu. I think I would have been pretty okay at impromptu speaking, and I love it coaching it. But radio announcing, on the other hand, is not for me. Anytime we have a radio kid on my team, they are to Ben, because Ben did radio and loves radio mm. as a category. I just love judging it. Interesting. I think I would have been good at it as a student because I've always been very good at um, like reading out loud, like without preparation. Um, like my 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 eyes and my brain and my mouth are connected in the right way that I can read something out loud the first time and it is typically correct. So I think I would have gotten the knack for it very quickly, but I was busy being in speech and acting categories and it just never the opportunity never presented itself. Um, as a coach, I have tried to coach several students towards radio. And here's the thing. I'll come. I'll be honest. I'm coming clean. Sometimes I have kids who I like and I want them to stay on the team and they have not put the work into any other piece. And then I've been like, well, 
Do you want to try radio since we're a week away from the first tournament and you haven't written anything or picked anything else out? We could see if this will work for you. And sometimes it does. And sometimes it doesn't. So, yes, I have I have coached kids doing radio. Um, none that I would would say, like, were so great that I can claim any sort of expertise as a coach when it comes to coaching this category. Um, but I do have some opinions as a judge. Yep. Same. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, part of the reason I chose radio for this weekend is like I knew having just had your tournament, we were going to want something either fun or easy. And I think this is both. Um, not that their category itself is easy, but I do think no. defining what makes it successful is one of the more simpler. Yeah, it's a little bit more clear cut. Things. So, uh, so for when it comes to you, like what makes someone successful in radio? So I think radio is one of our more like quietly difficult categories in the WFCA. Uh, but for me, I, I think of a great radio program performance as having three things engaging from the jump, like from the get go, I am like in it to win it, to listen, uh, I want it to be well paced and I want it to be engaging because people don't really listen to the radio that much anymore. And when they do, they're sort of like blocking out radio DJs and that sort of thing. So the challenge for me is that you don't look at them. So you're not judging anything based on anything they're presenting physically. It is 100% vocal presentation that you're judging on. And so you get to be more nitpicky about those things. So for me, that level of like engagement and energy and like having that correct pacing are so incredibly important in radio. And I think some people lose that because they're trying to be like wacky or they're trying to be fun or they haven't focused enough on their pronunciations and that sort of thing. And so those like relatively simple aspects that make a great radio performance for me get left behind. Mm-hmm. But what about you? Um, similar, I would say my list would start with personable. Uh, I think, you know, a key to being a voice on the radio and like really radio is sort of an old fashioned way of thinking about this now. It's really just any audio medium in yep. which someone might find themselves with an audience. And so nowadays that could include things like podcasting or having your own YouTube channel uh, being, you know, many different types of content creators. It's not just about being on the radio. Um, Though we have in Wisconsin tried to model our idea of what a successful radio announcer is after a more traditional like NPR news hour model. Um, So I think you you need to be personable. You, You can't just be someone on the radio speaking clearly and not have any interest in what you're saying or have any as you would say, trying to engage the audience with any sort of vocal inflection. I mean, it would just get boring. Um, So I do think you need to be personable. And part of that, too, is sounding like you care about what you're talking about and engaging with the material in a way that tells me you're a human. Because... We are not far away from the point where we could just have artificial intelligence read us the news. 
and I hope that that never happens because I am an audio artist. I am a vocal actor and I don't ever want artificial intelligence to replace human beings giving us information or telling us stories because I think a really good radio announcer will let you know with their voice, this is kind of a puff piece. This thing that we're talking about right now, it's kind of fun. And now we're transitioning to something a little more serious. You know, a mm-hmm. uh, 17-year-old that was shot on the streets of Chicago. And, you know, one thing I've, I've mentioned on many ballots this year, judging radio, is that kids seem to bounce from thing to thing. And they're trying to be like that upbeat personality. And they'll start talking about something real tragic. And they sound way too jazzed about it. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah, it's happened too much. Like, yeah, 32 civilians were killed in a bombing in Iraq. It's like, no, you sound way too happy about that. I was like, stop to think about what it is that you're saying and not just, you know, trying to put on a a happy or, or, effusive tone. Like you gotta, you gotta engage with the material. So it's gotta be personable. I need to know that a human is telling me information and it needs to be accurate. And you touched on this when you said the thing about pronunciations. Ladies and gentlemen, coaches and students, the simplest thing you can do to be good at radio is listen to the radio. And by that, I mean NPR. Just listen to some national public radio at least an hour. I would say an hour a day at least two hours a week if you're not going to do the full hour a day. But it, they have morning and evening programs in which they pronounce all of the relevant names and places that, that thing, where pl- things are happening in the news. And folks, you live in Wisconsin. Please know how to say some of the places in Wisconsin. Oh, my gosh. Like, I can forgive you if you can't pronounce, you know... Francois Hollande's name correctly on the first try, but if you don't know how to say Oconomowoc and like you're from here, that's a problem. That's a problem. It's an so issue. accuracy is important, and that not only plays a part in pronouncing things correctly, but it means you have to cut the story in a way that the relevant information is there. Because sometimes if you cut too much or you cut poorly, you change the nature of the story that's being told. And if judges for radio aren't looking at that packet beforehand, they're not doing their job either. You're not doing it right. That's one thing that I realized that I, because normally I include the radio packets in all of my judging folders, but this this tournament, I, it slipped my mind completely. But when I judge, if I don't have a radio packet in there, I will go to the Go to the draw room and ask for it. Yeah. Because sometimes it's an essential part of knowing whether they did a good job. Like, did they cut yeah. the news properly? And sometimes for me, it's just that a student has butchered something so intensely that I need to be able to read it to figure out what they were actually trying to say. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, sometimes too, I, I judged a power round of radio uh, oh, at Appleton East. And, you know, me and the other two judges were sitting in the round before any of the kids showed up and we're browsing through the packet and we're looking at each other like they did not take it easy on these kids with any of these stories because they all include a name that could that could mess you up. Like it's not phonetic in a basic English way. 
And so like these kids either know how to pronounce these names or they don't. And um, what was really interesting was to see how some of the kids were able to tell the story without tripping on the name because they just omitted it. Yep. And it was like, that was really clever and smart. Like if they didn't know how to say the name, they skipped it. Some other ones said it incorrectly, but man, did they say it with confidence. That's something too. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So person, be personable, be accurate. I feel like those are, are the real hallmarks. Um, and I guess, yeah, be understood. Cause sometimes I, you know, radio speakers have a tendency to speak at a pace that would be uh, inappropriate for actual listeners of the radio. Yep. They wouldn't be able to understand you or I wouldn't be able to hear you or you're not speaking with enough uh, elocution that I'm, I'm not able to pick up on, on what you're saying. So every radio personality, everybody who works at NPR or BBC, um, less so with, you know, the, the myriad of podcasters that exist now, but professional people who make money speaking on a microphone, they have gone through some training to learn how to speak in a way that people know to understand. You know, there's a, there's a reason that that accent in, in the UK is called BBC English. It's because it's what they're used to hearing on the news. Yep. And it's a very particular dialect. So I guess I would also say if you want to be super successful at radio, one thing you could start working on kids is getting rid of that Wisconsin accent. <laughs> Get a BBC English accent? You don't have to. You could. There's nothing in the rules that says you could. You couldn't. Um, it. We do in Wisconsin require you to have a consistent newscaster voice for the whole performance. You're not allowed to just like jump from person to person anymore. Uh, that's a new rule as of a couple of years ago. But there's nothing that says your your newscaster voice couldn't be someone from another place. Yep, and I I think I don't. I don't think it was recently. It was quite a few years ago. There was a girl who did use uh, an English accent uh, to perform. And I knew it was an accent because when she came in the room, very American. And then when she performed her radio, it was English. And I think that I actually like gasped and looked up because it was very good. So I think it was pre-podcasting. So there you go. Well, I'm not encouraging that. Like, don't go out and try to get some other accent. But if you do want to work towards a more standard American accent that does not include a lot of the diphthongs that are inherent in the Wisconsin version of our language uh, that can only serve you well. So many words. How do you say diphthong without laughing? I don't understand. (laughs) Well, now I can't. Maybe you've you've ruined diphthong for me forever. I hope I have. Let's keep saying diphthong over and over again. <laughs> Pretty soon I'm going to have to like give this episode a little E for explicit. <gasps> or for exciting. <laughs> so other than potentially trying out other accents and stuff, what do you think are good ways for kids to practice radio since it is a limited prep category and then it's not like they're necessarily compiling research or writing like a whole broadcast from scratch uh, how do you attempt to make radio practices work for you and your students? Well, I think students, you have to insist that your coaches help you. You have to insist that they provide you with an actual packet of material and give you real life uh, practices for how to do uh, a radio prep. 
and and then to to do it that way. Um, as long as right now in the WFCA, we are not allowed to use any outside sources, the, there's really no other way to practice. You can't tell a kid, go spend 30 minutes on the internet and come back with a radio performance for me. Yeah. Part of the art mm-hmm. is taking what's provided to you and cutting it down to time. Mm-hmm. Coaches, I would say, if you're like me, and that's one of your least favorite parts of the activity of forensics is creating those radio packets. Use your fellow tournament directors, or if you're not a tournament director, reach out to tournament directors and ask them for their old packets. Kids do not need to practice necessarily with super current stuff. Let them practice with something from two years ago. Who cares? Get, and- get, get, some, get some experience under them. Make sure that every once in a while they're getting something current so they can practice some of those names that are going to come up in the news as part of current events. But when they're just learning the structure of what radio is and how to get good at cutting from 20 minutes of material down to five minutes of broadcast, ask all your buddies to just send you their old stuff and then print it out for them and work with them that way. You have to do it practically. You have to do 30 minutes of prep, five minutes of presentation, and then give them feedback. So it's going to take longer than 20 minutes. Um, One thing that is nice about the WFCA website is there are a few radio packets from previous state tournaments that have been scanned and put onto our website. So if you just search for radio on the WFCA website, you will have, I think there are like five to six different packets on here. So obviously it's not a ton, but it's still uh, a place to have them set right away. I've also had students go after tournament has ended back to the radio draw room and ask if they could have an extra power round packet. And then that would be their practice packet for the next week. If they didn't make it to the power round. Yeah. And I would say one other source, if you want to go directly to the source for radio packets, I get my radio packets from Joe Meineke at Muskego. Um, And so if I know he writes them not only for me, but for other tournaments as well. So if you want to find just a treasure trove of past radio scripts, I assume he saves them somewhere or I could be totally wrong and I'm sending a bunch of people to him. Uh, and he'll get annoyed with me, but I would imagine he holds on to those past scripts. So he probably has just a ton, uh, to, to share with you if you're trying to get a new radio kid up on their feet. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what we think students are gaining from doing this activity. For me, it is the important. Can I add one more thing to practicing? Cause I I do have one more point. I just thought we were going to do the thing where like you did something and then I did one more thing. Okay. One more Sorry. thing, Kurt? Sorry, just one more thing about about practicing t- is have the rules in front of you because I still see so many kids walk into the room and they don't do call letters. And a lot of kids nowadays probably don't even know what call letters are for a radio station. Please teach them what what they are in real life so they're not making up some crazy nonsense that could never be an actual radio uh, call sign. Um And please make sure they know that they can have a timekeeping device. It's so disheartening to watch a kid walk in without one and realize that, like, how on earth are they going to hit the time? How are they going to hit a perfect five minutes if if they're not used to timing themselves and they didn't bring a device? So just make sure you're actually teaching them the rules, which should be, like, a part of our entire categorious discussion for everything. But this one in particular, I just see, I just see so many kids as I'm judging them that don't seem to know what's required of the category. 
And like those are necessary components. So make sure you're telling them about it. Now, do, would you have a question you'd like to ask me, Melissa? Uh, yeah, Kurt, just a quick question. Um, what do you think students learn from the category of radio announcing? Because for me, I think the one of the most important things they learn. <laughs> I love that. Is, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to ask you the question, but you just talked for a long time. So, so for me. <laughs> I just want to give you time to contemplate it while I'm answering. I'm just being a really good friend. Uh, for me, it is the lesson of limited preparation. Uh, I know that people will say like, the script is provided for them. What are they actually like gaining from it? But the idea of taking something and having such a short period of time to organize it and make it your own is a really important lesson. Uh, as someone who has had to take someone else's PowerPoint presentations for her job, alter them, add new things and update them, and then give the presentation in short periods of time is super important. Also, altering things from someone else to your particular audience. So a radio packet is just a bunch of articles, uh, but the students change and alter them for their judges and they're altering them for their regions. And so being able to do something in a limited period of time and then also change it to cater to an audience is something that I think is a really good skill to have, whether or not you're going to go into radio announcing when you're older or not. Yeah. Yeah. I think it teaches kids how to analyze information, which is really important. And um, if they're doing their preparation right, what they're being exposed to in listening to all of that, you know, radio announcing in real life is they're getting a lot of exposure to current events, which I think is is only good. Um, there's there's no downside to being more, a more informed citizen. So I think that that's great for kids as well. But why do you think that radio, because I think it's it's one of my favorite categories to judge, but I feel like it's a super underappreciated aspect of our association. So why do you think that is? Well, there are, I think, a lot of people who are scared, like you, of a limited prep. Yeah. I think I think the idea for a lot of people of walking into a forensics tournament and not knowing what you're talking about three or four times that day is too scary. And and that's a f a perfectly rational way to think about things too. If you're somebody who would rather be prepared, radio ain't for you. If however you're somebody who enjoys thinking on your feet and is comfortable reading aloud, and has a generally engaging voice, um, you know, radio could be, could be your ticket. And here's the other thing too, that I think is difficult. It is very hard to double enter in a draw category. Yeah. And, and I think should be against the rules to triple enter. If you're in a draw category at my tournament, we don't allow it. We say you can double enter if you're in a draw category, but you can't triple enter uh, because it's just it's too difficult to to have the tournament run on time if if draw is involved. Um, we figured out how to make it possible to double, and that's good. But I, it's very difficult to do it as a triple, um, and so I think that 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 can um, can deter kids from trying it out too because they maybe maybe they want to do two or three categories. 
And and if your draw category doesn't let you double enter, then why would I do it? Yeah, that's fair. Are I there just, any? I was just gonna I say just that wish, I just wish that more more kids would give it a try because I I do think that it's such an interesting cross section because there there are kids who are policy debaters in the fall and then there are radio kids in in the winter and there are kids who uh do who try to write oratories and didn't like them and end up in radio so the gambit of the kinds of kids that you get in radio and the variety of performances that you get is super interesting for me so i feel like it makes the round has more like levels than other categories do so I feel like it's a place that more more kids should be trying. Or if you're like a senior, you're getting into your junior senior year and you feel like you've tried everything. You're like, you know what? I want to try another category. Give radio a shot because you don't have to cut an entire new piece for it or block something or memorize something. It's a great one to just maybe like when, you, when you've got like a stressful week and you're like, you know what? This weekend, I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to enter radio next weekend and give it a try. Just do it. Try it. Yeah. You might like it. Totally. Um, this is just something else that I thought of as we were sitting here talking about it too, and something I've written on some kids' uh, forums, which is that practice different styles of doing it too. Like some kids are really successful with just like having a highlighter and like highlighting the lines they want to read. Other kids need to cut that stuff out and like put it on a new piece of paper, creating a whole new script. So like practice with different styles because... I have seen some kids who I think would be more successful if they tried a different way. And I've put that on their forums because it's like they're totally comfortable until they get to a point where they have to like turn a page and find the next thing. And it's like, girl or guy, like cut that thing up and make it one long script so you're never searching because it's getting in your way. So try try different styles of, of cutting that script up, sometimes literally cutting it up. Yep. I've also seen kids who use like a note card to like cover up the other lines and like actually just like follow along and they slide the note card down as they're going to mm-hmm. like maintain pace and stuff. See a lot of things. Another category where there are so many different ways to approach it. And it's interesting to sort of, I know you're not supposed to look at the students, but I always try to like peek at the beginning before I start writing things down as to how mm-hmm. they organize their radio script. Cause it's, it's one of those things I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I agree. Um, as for memorable performances of this category, I can't think of them offhand, but I know that there have been at least three episodes in the past since we started doing this best performances that both you and I have brought up radio mm-hmm. announcing competitors as the best things that we had seen. Uh, but aspects that I remember from those being so good for me, it's just that level of engagement and like, that I was able to take a kid seriously from the get go where I just wanted to listen to them and engage Mm -hmm. in their, in their organization. And I just like believed them. And I, when I am like mad when they're doing their send off and I'm like, Oh, I want you to keep talking. It's already over. (laughs) Five minutes minutes were so fast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know one of the the young people I have celebrated before was Angie Zhang from Madison West, who has since graduated. But she had that. And that's what I remember being so impressed by is like the moment she opened her mouth, I felt like I was listening to NPR. And it was like I turned on the radio and there it was. So uh, she she for me is the most memorable, memorable single performer. 
Um, I will always remember uh, the Sun Prairie uh, tournament where we got to go in as forensics faces and record the radio rounds. And that was a lot of fun. And then present the awards as well. So that was that was fun. So, yeah, so that is our our categorious discussion about radio. If you have thoughts, if you totally disagree, if we've missed something, we probably have. We want to sure you are. You're posting about it or emailing it. Um, if you are posting on social media about it, please use the hashtag Categorious so we can find you. And um, if you're not sure how to spell that, look at the episode title in your podcast feed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to share with you that something just happened at Melissa's house because she is making a face that's halfway between laughter and screaming. I'm just trying. I was just trying to make as little noise as possible. I record our podcast regularly now sitting at my coffee table and I went to adjust my height as you were doing that. And I just bashed my knee in the weirdest, most particular way on the coffee table. And I'm really nervous it's going to come through on the podcast. But hot dang, did that hurt? Oh, maybe I need to record at a real table like a grown up. So we have. Oh, no, just so do what I funny. did. Just build yourself a, a sound booth. <laughs> that was the reaction I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to build a sound booth. I want to sit on the floor at my table, underneath my BB-8 lantern, next to my cat jar filled with candy, and live my mm-hmm. best life. Fair but enough. Onward we're going now. So is this our second year or our third year doing this? I think this is our third year of doing the Oscars. Because we used to watch them together. Yes. But now you live far away. Um, So, yeah, if you didn't know this about Kurt and I, we're both like sort of pop culture junkies, but very specifically pop culture junkies. I don't watch everything. I haven't seen a single episode of the Kardashians. I don't watch Real Housewives. Not that level of pop culture. I'm talking like Kurt has a subscription to Entertainment Weekly. I enjoy reading about things that I don't necessarily have time to watch and reading recaps of mm-hmm. things, Kurt's fascination with the mass Singer reveals, that sort of thing. So one thing that we do right. enjoy doing is using the Vanity Fair Oscars predictions. And so keep it short and sweet because we've already been talking for, I don't even know how long. I don't even have the window open. 56 minutes. Almost an hour. Well, some of that is us chatting and filling this out, right? Yeah, a <laughs> Beforehand. Um, So... We're going to reveal some of our guesses for tonight's event because this is our podcast and I just like giving Kurt another opportunity to prove that he's better at things than me. Aw, thank you. I do listen to a lot of people, a lot of prognosticators on the internet about who will do well. Um, Although I got to say, girl, I like this year more than ever before. And I feel like I even said this last year. I am not tuned in to the Oscars this year at all. I have not seen most of these movies or like most of these performances. So I am going off purely what I've heard other people on podcasts say are going to do well. I'm going off of my heart. The only movies that I have seen that are nominated for Oscars tonight all have animation. Incredibles 2, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And Mm -hmm. what was the other one? Well, you've seen Black Panther. Oh, and Incredibles 2. Oh, I've seen Black Panther. So I there we go. Does CGI count as animation? I don't know. In this case, we'll say it does. Thanks. Yeah, I've, I've only seen 
Incredibles 2, Black Panther. You saw Star is Born, right? No. Oh, I no, thought you watched seen it. it yet. No. I'd like to see it when it comes out, but I wasn't going to go to the movie theater for it. Yeah, it's out digitally now. Katie and I might watch it tomorrow. Or later this week, not tomorrow. Yeah. End of list. Yeah. End of list. <gasps> so I've, I've seen, seen more Oscar movies than you. You have. You have the advantage here. No. Um, oh, visual effects over here in visual effects. Avengers Infinity War, Christopher Robin, Ready Player One, and Solo, A Star Wars Story. Okay, so over in there. in that category. But we're I've not talking seen, about those. Yeah, no, I saw Infinity War and Solo, A Star Wars Story, but I didn't see any of the other ones. No. So okay, maybe we're so one by one. Speed All round. Right. Best picture. Your pick is? Roma. Okay. My pick is who's your pick? The favorite. We'll justify. Okay, I believe that drama because it's the movie that is on the list that I saw the most people talking about on Twitter. Justification. <laughs> yeah, no, I agreed. I think that is in fact the front runner. Um, I'm kind of banking on a like it. It ends up winning the foreign language film, which is, which it's also up for, and then something else gets to sneak in for the best picture. Fair. So, um, and I've heard a lot of really, really great things about The Favorite. It's also something I would like to see, but it's definitely not the type of movie that John and I would go see together because I don't think he would like it at all. We'll go. Okay. Best director. I went with someone whose work I've viewed before and very much enjoyed, which is Spike Lee for Black Klansman. Okay. See, this is where I think um, they're going to reward Roma. I think they're going to give it to Alfonso Cuaron. Mm-hmm. That's fair. This is good. So far, we're not agreeing on anything. So we can actually. I know. I just want to check. End up with, uh, you know, with Alfonso Cuaron directed the third Harry Potter movie. Is he who directed the Harry Potter movie? Everyone's like, this is an awful version of the Harry Potter movies. And it's like one of my favorite Harry Potter movies. The best. Yeah, I think that's him. Maybe it was. It is him. It is him. It is him. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. I did enjoy his Harry Potter movie. Just saying. Agreed. All right. Best actress in a leading role. Glenn Close for um, that movie about her husband, The Wife. The Wife, yes. I am also picking Glenn Close as The Wife. Um, I think uh, this will be a career achievement award. Yes. Yeah. All right. Actor Um, in a leading role? I think they're going to give it to Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. I said the same thing. Okay. Um, Actress in a supporting role. I went with um, Rachel Wise for The Favorite. Interesting. Yeah. I think this is where uh, they are going to reward If Beale Street Could Talk, and they're going to give it to Regina King. Oh, I really hope they do, because I do love Regina King. But I was trying to be like cool and strategic, but oh my God, if Regina King wins. I'm also, I, Regina King is going to wear something freaking amazing, and I'm so excited for it. Also, since I didn't say it's this to you off podcast, how excited are you to see what Shangela is wearing to the Oscars? Very. Although I hope her makeup is better than it was at the SAG Awards. Thank you. I was going to say the same thing. Okay. Um, actor in a supporting role, I'm going with one of my very few celebrity crushes, which is Adam Driver. Somehow I knew you were going to say that. Um, I, again, this is going off what other people are saying because I have not seen any of these movies. But I, I think uh, Mahershala Ali for Green Book will take it. Even though he just won a couple years ago. 
But, it's true. Um, but also, it'd be very exciting if Adam Driver won an Oscar. Yeah, but Mahershal Ali, he can also get it. Oh, for sure. Uh, all right. <laughs> we only have a few more that we're doing on the pod. Original screenplay. I went with Roma. All right. That is, I think, a safe pick. Um, again, Thank I'm going to go with the favorite on this one. I think Which it's, is the, I think the, the favorite, favorite is more. I, yeah, I think uh, I think there it's more likely the favorite will win original screenplay than it will best picture. You're probably right about best picture. Um, and then as far as adapted screenplay. Uh, this is where my heart went for if Beale Street could talk. I agree. And then finally, animated feature. I am going with, even though I did see Incredibles 2 as well, I'm going with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse because it is one of the best movies that I have seen in the last few years. Not not like superhero movie or just because it's a superhero movie, but just any movie. I was completely enraptured and on the edge of my seat and everything about it is good from the voice acting to the soundtrack to the actual animation and the way they do the differences and styles and stuff. I think I'm, ugh, I'll be so sad if it's not it. I'm I'm fairly certain it will be. I have also chosen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse as my pick. Um, it is critically adored, like, across the spectrum. And, yeah, that voice cast, like, balls. Oh, so good. Have we ever talked about my love for John Mulaney? <gasps> no. Have you ever like seen that. the thing on Twitter that is um, John Mulaney quotes as musicals? No. Okay, I'm going to find so it many, and send it to you. He's so clever. Like, people just turn him into memes all the time. I know, but he's also but while just you really find that, While you find that, we will sign off, and then Wait, we no, can we talk about that. Okay, even though it's really obvious, best song, because it's us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I skipped it. That's fine. It's going to be shallow. I know. Star but, is born. but I want it to be the place where lost things go because I cried so hard in the movie theater watching Mary Poppins return during the place where lost things go. Oh. Is that your official pick? The place where lost things go is my official pick, even though I'm okay. going to lose handily to Shallow. I Because Shallow has been the song. It's the first song in a very long time that has got like crossed over from its movie into mainstream pop culture. I think the last time a song really truly did that was Adele's uh, Bond song Skyfall, but even still not to the level that Shallow has entered the zeitgeist. Uh, But the place where lost things go was such an intense moment for me in that movie theater because it's such, it's such a beautiful way to talk about grief with children. And it just made my heart so effing warm, but it'll be shallow. Still haven't seen it. Looking forward to it. And looking forward to Bette Midler's performance of that tonight at the Oscars. Oh. So. Mm. Yes. Okay. So let's say goodbye to everyone at home, and then we'll talk about John Mulaney for a little bit. Okay, great. Bye. Bye. See you next week at Sheboygan North, everybody. Forensic Spaces is proudly produced in Wisconsin, the birthplace of the National Forensics League. Our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hammeister. If you're a fan of Forensic Spaces, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also get in touch with Melissa and me by emailing listen at ForensicsFaces.com. You can also find links to all our social media accounts and online merch store by visiting ForensicsFaces.com. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak, preferably in that order. Bye.